oh are we down are we down to computers now first my computer goes down now it's gonna be aj's okay so um aj is not recording right now because his computer is restarting so i'm carrying this whole podcast right now yeah aj can't do anything he's just merely looking on as i'm just talking so i can say whatever i want i have all the power right here um man um i'm trying to think of hot takes that i can say that aj will have no recourse to say well his precious bruins are terrible terrible team doing you know i'm glad they're doing terrible it's nice to see them doing so awful because you know what an awful owner doesn't deserve a good team you know it sucks for the fans but hey you know what it's glad to see a shitty ownership group get what it's deserving so (laughs) oh and aj isn't even recording but he just cracked open his beer because i'm just shit talking the bruins the whole time and yeah you know the man's wearing a predator's hat right now now, AJ, he's lost his way. Oh, God. Welcome back to the Packy Run podcast again. Hi, I am Dan. Um, I talk too much and like to antagonize AJ Mayotte. And I am AJ. I can't believe that my system decided to update right now. Log in, Bina. Sucks to suck, dude. Just unacceptable. All right. <laughs> I don't understand why. I mean, that's Apple for you. Not really, though. Apple does that. try take number three it did still save what i had done earlier i think we might be good okay so anyway we're trying to start a podcast here we're doing a great job there's no technical difficulties at all everything is fine dan how are you today um i'm good um you know i'm a little bit tired um you know um i'm still trying to recover from my sunday from when i was working like 11 hours um hey it's it's the busy season for me so it is what it is but i'm ready to relax a little bit more ready for um it to be next week when it's christmas and i don't have to worry about it i am in a similar boat i am very much excited for being back in massachusetts for a little bit we may actually get a live episode of the podcast where the two of us are in the same room for once which would be wild <coughs> yes and uh yeah so i don't think uh the technical difficulties saved what we were what we were sipping on um at 11 30 in the morning uh central time 12 30 eastern time yes um well I kind of alluded it to it uh, when I was on my little rant there. Um, I am drinking water. I didn't mention that, but you know, some good old Boston tap water, um, that good old dirty water. Hydration for the boy. Mm-hmm. Yes. You love to see that it. That is all I need. Well. <clears throat> In my years of drinking coffee, the things that I have, you can drink as much coffee as you want, as long as you're supplementing that with just as much water. Because coffee dehydrates you. But if you're drinking just as much water, you're going to feel the energy of that coffee. Like, have you ever, and this is a question for you, have you ever like drank coffee and then you immediately are like still tired afterwards? I mean, almost every day. You're not drinking enough water, my friend. Drink your water. Sir, I am trying. (laughs) I am trying my best. Like, if you're not going to the bathroom at least 10 times in a day, you're not drinking enough water. That's... Maybe a that's lot. a little excessive. That's a lot of times. So? In uh, in stark contrast to Dan and his healthy living habits, it is 11.38 as we speak, and I have cracked open the last Miller High Life that was sitting in my fridge because it's it's the packy run. I had one left. We drink when we're doing this podcast. It's... I don't need your judgment. Don't... I can feel your judging eyes. I don't 
don't need it. Look, I'm not judging. I can't I can't say anything because the last time I went to homecoming at UNH, I started drinking with Andy at eight o'clock in the morning. That sounds like homecoming. Um so I can't I can't judge. Um <laughs> Tailgate tailgating to watch a D three football team. Which we didn't even end up watching the football game because then I went to Fall Fest. Yeah, that, that checks out. I think the four years that we were there, how many homecoming games did we actually go to? I think only one or two. I don't think I watched any of the football games. I liked watching the football games. They were good this year. They actually won um, the D3 championship, I'm pretty sure. Like, they won their division. Well, congrats to the alma mater that emails me entirely <laughs> too fucking much. They don't email me at all, which is great. I still have my school email attached to the mail app on my phone, and yeah, it's it's too often. I I don't even remember my password. Oh, how I don't the times even have remember. Changed. I don't even remember my username. Sounds like a personal That's problem, a, Dan. <laughs> I, I I don't really need my student email anymore, so I think I'm good. Yeah, I just have it because it's tied to like job searching tools and shit. So hey, that is what it is. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes In, at all. Indeed, we shall. Um, so, well, actually, before we get into the meat and potatoes, I would just like to point out the fact that it has been less than a week since our last episode went live and we are recording again. Yes, we're making good on our word. We are sprinting back to the finish line that is the year 2021. Hey, we're trying. We are trying to uh, do the thing. Trying to feed you little content gremlins. Yes. Now, Patriots didn't play this past week or on Sunday. Um, we had a bye week, which well-deserved. I mean, seven straight wins first in the AFC. Still. Still, which is, I mean, we we even if, um, I mean, the Tennessee Titans have the same record as us, but we hold the tiebreaker because we won against them. Yep, we've got more wins in the AFC than any of the other teams in the AFC, which is all, uh, balance has been restored to the NFL. Um, and, and not only that, we now hold a two-game lead in our division in the AFC East. All thanks to a certain Mr. Tom Brady, who once again you, showed the Buffalo Bills who their daddy is. Yeah, you may have heard of him. I don't know. Like, it, he's only won seven uh, Super Bowl rings, uh, like a couple MVPs, like 700 touch, touch, uh, touchdown passes. Like, you know, like, yeah, cool. he's just a guy. Cool little upstart quarterback uh, came out of Michigan. He, uh, oh my God, he, pl- he played for the Patriots for like 20 years. Crazy. Yeah, it is. I didn't know that. What a time to be alive. <laughs> Um, so what was what was the last game that we covered? Did we we talked Buffalo? We did talk Buffalo. This week we are we have the Colts. So uh, on Saturday night, it's a prime time game. Another prime time game, which was a thing that people were talking about in the preseason about how interest in the Patriots had waned so much that most of our schedule uh, was avoiding prime time actually, and they moved this game actually. I forget when it was supposed to be played, but we are now playing. I think originally. I think originally it was supposed to be like a Sunday game and then they put TBA like to be determined like later on in the season about it and then finally they announced I think it was like two weeks ago like oh yeah this is a it's gonna be prime time on Saturday there you go I'm uh I'm not complaining uh during COVID there was there were a couple of games that got flexed to Saturdays and I've always thought that there's too many games going on on a Sunday to begin with so having like having it spread out a little bit more and having a couple more primetime games i'm okay with yeah i'm i'm good with that um this colts game you know i you can't it's not a game to overlook and i mean they're running back jonathan taylor is really good he's have, had an amazing season so far um arson once has been shaky but it's gonna be a challenge it's gonna be a different challenge this week for sure yeah and i think i do think this team has shown that they're capable of playing up to their competition um i think that's part of the big reason why when we were sitting at two and four there was a lot of talk in press conferences and stuff that that record was not kind of an example of what the team actually was um we've talked about it more than a couple of times you know the game against the game against the cowboys the game against the buccaneers you know we more than held our we more than held our own in those situations it was just a really new team so you know they weren't they weren't functioning the way that they have been functioning for the past seven games and i think i mean like we like
like we said, kind of heading into this stretch, probably three or four games ago, we're like, we're now really going to see what this team is kind of made of. And I mean, all signs point to ending, ending at least with a winning record. And I'm seeing more and more of those conversations like we were talking about last week where people are, you know, hypothesizing about a Brady versus Belichick Super Bowl. And I mean, the statistics as they stand right now don't lie. That is a possibility and seems to be more and more of a possibility. Right, for Um, sure. But I think this game against Indianapolis and then the next week against the Bills is probably, a you know, I think the playoffs will be whatever the playoffs are. We get a lot of that in the NFL. Um, But whether or not we really stand a chance at doing something special here is going to come down to these next two games. Yeah, I mean, Indianapolis is, they are a fringe playoff team. Um, Like as we talk about them today, um, they're the sixth seed. Um, And I mean, Buffalo is the seventh seed right now um, as the standings fall today with the Browns, the Bengals, and the Broncos and Steelers still in the hunt for it all. And I guess you could make a case for the Raiders and Miami, but they are, but they aren't really in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I had to, and this is based on no actual statistical evidence or anything, if I had to make a wild prediction right here, right now, I'd say we pull out a tight win against Indianapolis. Um, I might sound like a, I might sound like a home, too much of a hometown boy, but I could see us sweeping the bills and then going to Miami and getting a little slice of humble pie because late season games in Miami, like we've said before, just don't usually go that well for us. No, they don't. Um, I mean, but the Colts have been up and down this year. They, they haven't been consistent when it matters. Um, like looking at the teams that they have won against or lost against. I mean, they lost, they began the season losing three straight against the Seahawks, the Rams and the Titans, which I mean, if we're talking about a tough schedule to begin the season with, that's tough. That's I a mean, gauntlet. Yeah, that's, and then you had Miami, the next game, which you won, which last year they probably should have made the playoffs, but didn't. They had the Ravens. Ravens were a great team last year. Um, the Texans, who, I mean, of course they won against them. Uh, 49ers, another tough game. Titans, Jets, Jags, they won against the Bills lost against the Buccaneers and won against the Texans. So they're one of those teams that if they are facing a tough playoff opponent from last year, they certainly didn't do a good job or like they didn't win against them. Yeah, I think I think my hopes are pretty high for Saturday. Um, Buffalo still scares me. I think they're going to come into that game with a lot of bulletin board material and we're going to need to really pull out a lot of the stops to make sure that that game is a win. Um, and then and honestly, I think we're perfectly capable of winning against Miami. I think it's just more of a matter of that stark contrast in weather and it being the end of the season. My hope is that we go two and one over these next three games, like clinch our playoff spot, make sure that everything's, you know, kind of lined up for a good, you know, well, you're also forgetting push. about the Jags. But oh, I forgot I about mean, the, yeah, I forgot about the Jags. But I mean, the, the Jaguars, the uh, we've we've talked at length about rookie quarterbacks facing Bill Belichick and how that goes usually. Well, it's not only that, but have you heard about the stuff that's been going on in Jacksonville with like Urban Meyer? So I've seen that Urban Meyer is, you know, that close to getting canceled. (laughs) Dude, he is definitely getting fired after this season. There's no way he keeps his job between the incident that happened in September where he had like, I think it was either a college student or like college assistant. Like it was like a like a young younger woman not his wife like grinding on him and sitting on his lap while he was at a bar after they lost and he's just completely fucked up the team in every single match like in every single way he is blaming everyone else for why they're losing he's not taking accountability he's blaming the coaches he's blaming the players like he said like um i think he said to his staff at the beginning of the year like something along the lines of um you all are losers and i'm not and he's like a he's like a college football coach it's a great way to start off a season he's like oh you're some of you might not have jobs next year and it's like wow you are an ass 
asshole, my guy. This is true. So the Jaguars are dysfunctional. And I mean, the thing about the thing about like the Lions, they're a bad team, no doubt. But at least they try to play for Dan Campbell. They try. Jaguars players don't give a fuck and they don't want to put in the effort for Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer is just that much of an asshole. Clearly. Yeah. So... Yeah, which ties into what we were talking about. Like, it's hard to look at it's hard to look at the Jags and think anything other than, yeah, we're probably just gonna steamroll them. Like, I I anticipate the week that we talk about that game, we're gonna spend five minutes on that game and then talk about, then spend like an hour and a half on an on an album. Probably. Like, it's it's gonna be. I'm just giving you fair warning for that one. The kids do seem to love when we go in on music stuff. <sighs> But, I mean, what's, like, the worst stretch for any team that's coming up? Like, especially for the playoff teams. Let's look at the Titans, for example. Okay. Who they have to face. So they have the Steelers this week, 49ers, Dolphins, Texans. I mean... That seems pretty. So the Steelers, it's doable. They're, I mean, they're a playoff team regardless. They're going to be in that playoff hunt. The Titans or now, the Steelers? Um, the Titans. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with Mike Vrabel. I still, I have almost nothing but ill will for the Flaming Thumbtacks for a variety of reasons. But Mike Vrabel is a, he was an awesome player and is a great coach. It, yeah, it's hard to argue. Like I get it. And if they get Derrick Henry back, they become you know even more of a legitimate threat. But I'm not super worried about it because they've been inconsistent consistent throughout most of the season so right now a team i am more worried about and they have finally hit their stride after struggling for a little bit uh the kansas city chiefs they just don't go away dude huh <laughs> like like at the beginning of this season we were like i don't know man like they are not looking good they are but they have won they've won six straight going into this week. So they are probably the second hottest team at this point. Uh, you really can't count out Patrick Mahomes or Andy Reid. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they just clear out the stretch and then it becomes a battle in Arrowhead or Foxborough. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, they got the Chargers coming up. Chargers are a wild card. So I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled out the Chargers do. They have the Steelers who shaky. I don't think the Steelers are a playoff team. I don't think they're making it. They're not good. Ben Rochesberger needs to retire. He is not, he's not a playoff quarterback anymore. Yeah, he does seem kind of cashed. Um, like they have the Bengals fringe team and then they have the Broncos, another fringe like playoff team in there. Yeah, to tie it back to the Chiefs thing though, I think one of the I think one of the things that doesn't like it prevents me from being worried the way that I have been for what four years now with the Chiefs. Right. We so the 2019 season we had the boogeymen on defense, right? Mm-hmm. And they were really good, but like that wasn't that wasn't a particularly well built team, and they had a really easy schedule, and that's why that nickname came up and why for which team? 2019 Patriots. Oh uh, yeah. Yep. 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 Like they called themselves the boogeymen. A lot of people got hyped on it. I think both of us included, but clearly the offense was not cooking and was not you know manufacturing the way that they needed to and the defense became that defense became what it was partially because it was just a really really easy schedule for most of the year so they could put up good numbers yeah you're right um this year not so much we've had some actual challenges and we've also got a rookie quarterback and a very new feeling team and we've still managed to accomplish more than i think anybody was really expecting this Patriots team to accomplish this year. For um, sure. So especially, especially when it comes to our defensive side of the ball, I think like if it came down to an AFC championship game between the Chiefs and the Patriots, I wouldn't be as worried as I was in 2019. Like that's I can I can more easily picture our team putting together a game plan to contain the Chiefs than I could when I was sitting at Regina's Pizza watching that shit show uh, at the end of Mm, 2019 i would be worried well i get worried if we do end up facing the chiefs and it it becomes a shootout like it did in um was it the 2019 uh no 2018 afc championship game where it was a shootout like back and forth and the only reason we won that game was because um and obviously it's not the only reason we won this game but this is a huge deciding factor in that game um an offside penalty yeah that's like true. can mac 
Kang with in a shootout, and that's that's interest. It would be very interesting to watch. It would be, but I think, but I think our defense wouldn't let that happen. Well, and that's that's the point that I was just about to make. Is could Mac hang in that kind of shootout? Um. I don't think he would embarrass himself or embarrass the team at this point. After all we've seen this season, I don't like, I'm not saying we would, I'm not saying we would win an absolute like mud fest fireworks show like that, but right. I do feel like Mac could, Mac could hang, maybe not necessarily win, but similar to what you're saying more than I believed in the boogeyman a couple of years ago and more than I wanted to believe that we had something kind of cooking last year. This year I do actually have enough of that confidence to sit back and be like i i really really do believe that our defense is elite and that we could like we could make something special happen turnover wise and just give mac the opportunity to just for lack of a better term do his job yeah but we're we're thinking way too far ahead and we're also talking in hypotheticals here indeed so um take all of that with a grain of salt um we're also just taking a look at all the just the remaining team's schedule um in particularly like the top playoff teams what about the ravens what is their schedule looking like they are facing the packers that's gonna be a tough game yep they got the Bengals. that is you know uh they faced them earlier this year they won pretty handily they have the la rain rams it's gonna be a tough game that's gonna be a good game to watch and then this it's the steelers and the steelers and ravens that's always a good game yeah has there been has there been any updates on the ankle injury that lamar had um so despite it he plans to be coming he plans to be coming back against the packers yeah i just don't see i don't see the ravens pulling out that win i think green bay is like say what you want about aaron Rodgers. a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about him but he's been he's been fighting pretty hard this season and i don't see the ravens really overcoming that oh no way like aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time he does he does he does the you know playmaker thing like josh allen or patrick mahomes or lamar jackson pretty well but he's also got like he's got a finesse game that's kind of brady-esque that i think he doesn't get enough credit for i mean if if there's an argument to be made that like he is maybe the best pure passer of the football ever. I mean, some of his highlights are just absolutely insane. So I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I also don't really have a great argument against. So yeah, I mean, the only other argument I would I would hold to that is maybe Peyton Manning. Um, but I'm not going to argue against myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. I think we've exhausted ourselves with the AFC and talking the Patriots. Um, I'm hoping for a good game um, against the Colts. Um, but I think trying to give like a good prediction. I'm trying to think. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be close. I think these next two games are going to be I can see the Patriots winning both of them. I don't see the Patriots winning both of them in some like spectacular runaway fashion. And I think that that's going to cause a lot of talk in the media about, you know, well, Mac Jones just doesn't have the like we're going to hear a lot of the same talk talking points going out the entire thing even though we're gonna i think we're gonna pull out wins in both of those scenarios and just i think that's gonna kind of fuel the fire and i think that's kind of i really think that's the ideal situation um i'm not sure if you've seen like wbz uh, a couple of the other boston sports outlets have floated the question like should the patriots lose a game so that they get a little bit of that like humbleness back before they go for an actual playoff push um and you know i was thinking i've actually thought about that but like i mean Bill Belichick doesn't go into a game wanting to lose ever like that's a ever ever like even like a preseason game like I don't think anyone in the NFL goes into a game wanting expecting to lose like I mean we've also been in the stronger road team this year so maybe I mean but like because I mean we haven't been particularly good when we have played at home but we're saving it for the 250 million dollar renovation that's happening to Gillette Stadium (laughs) Yeah, which I, that's going to be really cool. That's going to be fun to see. I I've it's been, well worth it too. I mean, I've been I've been to Gillette twice, and I mean, I think I've said it before on the podcast. Like football is not my favorite thing to watch live, um, because the stadiums are just too big. Especially, you know, we love football weather, but maybe not when we're sitting still in the. Yeah, that's fair. Um, 
but it was it was kind of enticing reading about some of the renovations that the Kraft family is going to be doing to Gillette Stadium and thinking like, you know, the world's biggest jumbotron, like the world's biggest HD jumbotron. Uh, yeah, yeah that's I kind awesome. Of, I kind of want to go experience it. You know, Gillette in the surrounding area, like Patriot Place is actually legitimately cool for what it is. Um, like say what you will about like, I mean, there are lots of NFL owners and a lot of sports owners that are just in it to make as much money from the team as possible and they don't care about the fans they don't care about the games as long as it doesn't affect their bottom line robert Kraft is a genuine fan of the new england patriots he has been a season he, i mean before he bought the team he was a season ticket holder since like 1971 like he is a fan first of the team and that's why we are that's why the patriots are as, as successful as they are because we care about that fan experience well robert Kraft cares about that fan experience and wants the team to be successful and when your team is successful you can aff- i mean this stadium is not going to come out of our tax dollars or out of massachusetts tax dollars he's funding it himself because you know what patriots are making that much money because we're that successful yeah and i think that's I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot about the business dealings of Boston sports teams, but I've seen a lot of stories that are kind of similar. Um, and it's kind of why I tell a lot of people, especially down here, a lot of people kind of like I make the joke and other people make the joke about the fact that being from the Boston area is like a solid 50% of my personality. And yeah, part of, <laughs> Fair. part of that, part of that is that like Boston sports mentality of like do for self, right? Like right. you build the success and the success brings, you know, in this case, the success of Robert Kraft brings money and you're not, we're not moving, we're not moving to different, you know, states and we're not looking for massive breaks and everything else. It's just kind of like we've had sustained success for 20 something years and we've made enough money that the owner of the team sits back and goes, let's do kind of, kind of like, let's do something for the fans. I mean, I'm sure that ticket prices are going to continue to just be astronomical. And as much as I'd love to get to the top, as much as I'd love to get to the top of that lighthouse at some point that they're going to build because it's going to have an observation deck which is like that's dope foxborough's in east jesus nowhere but like a an observation deck that high especially in like mid to late october i would i would pay more than i probably should to get to the top of that to like see some you know do some leaf peeping you probably get a view of the city from there honestly probably um and then the bass pro shops that's across the street in patriot place you can just go fuck around and go out back and walk around the ocean spray bogs like i haven't been to patriot place in a couple of years and they announced this big renovation and now i'm like man i think i gotta get back there i have never been to patriot place have you ever been to gillette i've never been to i mean i've passed by it like driving but i've never like been there oh man all right so the packy run needs to continue for as long as possible and make some money so that dan and i can get tickets to a patriot game and then we can both sit there with those little zoom like field recorders and we can record an entire episode sitting next to each other in the stands yes that's the new goal for the packy run yes yes let's make it happen that doesn't happen without your support go to at packy run pod on instagram and twitter blow us up and and we're not going for nosebleed seats no 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 we're going like behind the patriots bench behind the patriots bench behind the patriots bench um 15 rows back so you get enough of the height that you can see everything yeah yeah i i was like thinking about that like you don't want to be front row front row but like at least like you know seven to ten rows back get us on the jumbotron that is your goal as fans of this podcast yes anyways let's talk about our music or music yeah the uh i don't have music (laughs) i have some um but yeah no let's we were we were kind of thinking a little bit more freeform this week just talking about what we've been listening to stuff that we've seen um it's kind of the end of the year for the music business or it's been the end of the year really which is why spotify does their wrapped playlists you know basically a month before the year actually ends because outside of christmas singles and little promos and everything 
anything else. The music business is basically dead for the next month. Yeah. And even in June, it's or July, I mean, or not July, uh, January, January, you got it. it's extremely slow. There's nothing that really goes on. There's not a lot of new releases. February is usually when it like starts to pick up. <laughs> and that's true for a lot of the entertainment industry. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of movies and stuff that they kind of get dumped into January and February because studios don't believe in them and stuff. So that's also very true of the music business. This is the uh, we have entered the dead season. Yes. <laughs> uh, but the dead season is usually a pretty good time to just kind of go back, uh, at least for me, and listen to a lot of stuff that I haven't listened to before. Um, Apple Music gives you the opportunity when you listen to an album or a playlist or something, you can hit the little infinity sign and it will just play like related artists and songs and stuff that you might not have listened to. Um, and their algorithm is getting better and better. So the first thing that I talked to Dan about the other night, I'm not sure if you've listened or not. Um, I have fallen in love with this self-titled EP by a band called Single Mothers. Uh, and it came out back in 2011, actually. So it's a 10-year-old EP. I didn't get the chance to listen to that one, but I did listen to like a couple songs off their latest album, uh, Bubble, which not really into. It's not really my my stick, but maybe I should uh, check out the self-released or the yeah, so self-titled. I haven't, I haven't gone through I haven't gone through their entire discography, but I, I vaguely knew about this band. Um, do you know Drew Thompson? No. So he's a Canadian-based artist. He had an EP that came out on Secret Voice, which is Jeremy from Touche Amore's uh, imprint on Death Wish. Um, mm -hmm. Drew Thompson does some like really great kind of like folky pop punk acoustic based stuff um and he has a band now called the drew thompson foundation um but he was originally in this hardcore band called single mothers and they put out a self-titled ep in 2011 it's just four songs uh christian girls hell is my backup plan winter coats and baby are the four songs and winter coats came on after i was listening to those new drug church singles at work and it's this the whole ep is really kind of grimy like the production is truly like th this is the definition of lo-fi for me so lo-fi has that like connotation with hip-hop and stuff like that and like lo-fi beats for studying on youtube or whatever um i love it i love it <laughs> this ep is like it sounds like it's played through a blown out speaker a lot of the times like the compression is so intense and the mastering is so intense that it blows out a lot of the stuff um which i think we've talked about cope by manchester orchestra on the pod before where the band completely self-produced self-mixed self-mastered like all of that album and it shows like some of the really good songs on that album are really good and they benefit from kind of that grimy production um but the album also loses a lot because of that and this single mother's ep is from an engineering standpoint even worse than that like totally blown out and over compressed and just um for lack of a better term amateur but those all of those flaws and all of that like really blown out grossness that happens because of the production really makes these four songs better like it's it's I mean it's really good pop songwriting but it's like a hardcore band playing it so there's hooks and there's like there's hooks and intensity and there's something really cool about the way that they just kind of like blew everything up that makes it sound like that much more genuine which I think is kind of cool but I mean would it be is it amateur in the way of like like any other hardcore band or is it amateur because i know that we've talked about picking back sunday like uh like amateur like that um because because we've talked about bad production and <laughs> we we went in on um oh geez what's that that taken back sunday record you know what i'm talking about tell all your friends yeah tell all your friends um although i guess with like taken back sunday like take this uh tell all your friends there was an expectation because I mean they were signed to victory at the time they could afford good recording yeah um honestly it kind of straddles the line right like so tell all your friends has these weird production things where obviously you can tell by the success of that particular band that the songs were really mm -hmm. good and it was just a production like there were a lot of dumb production decisions made that made that album sound kind of crappy when you go back and listen to it and with that with that album in particular, I get the feeling that like they were really bringing their friends in with a lot of things and they were going with 
with bigger names and stuff. And also part of it was like the sound of that time that made it right. Um, this seems a lot more I mean, intentional. This is like this band went to, you know, a studio that was capable enough of getting some good sounds. And then I get the impression that they made the decision to kind of blow it up, like to go way overboard with the compression and stuff like that in a way that makes it sound because I believe this is their first EP as well, like their first commercially released EP. You get mm-hmm. you get the feeling that they were intentionally going for this super blown out sound and it works way better with this than it did with Taking Back Sunday. Like that, the Tell All Your Friends album has really great songwriting and then they, like the production notes on it were it was like that band went into the studio and they were trying to write a breakout album and in a lot of cases they did but they were still dealing with like the punk community and trying to like be with their friends and you know get seen cred by doing what they were doing uh and with some of the decisions made there this single mother's ep is like it feels truly diy from top to bottom and with less of an aim of like we're gonna write these great songs but treat ourselves like a hardcore band instead it was like we are a hardcore band we're gonna treat these songs like we're a hardcore band and it just so happens that the songwriting is so good that it shine like it shines through the production i think is the thing with these four songs is that it would be really easy especially as somebody that understands some of those production techniques it would be really easy to write these four songs off as just like dude this master is so overblown and there's digital distortion everywhere and like it doesn't really it would be easy to write it off and just say it doesn't really work it's a really crappy recording but there's right. something about it that that has me sitting back and being like, they did that on purpose and it'll alienate a lot of people that would listen to it. But if you really kind of sit with these four songs and play them a couple of times, you're going to hear a lot of like, man, this is some really great hardcore music. And the production actually accentuates the fact that it's just kind of really raw and it's not intentionally that way. It just like the griminess of the songs themselves is accentuated by the griminess of the production. Yeah, I can see that. I would have to take a listen to it to confirm that. But yeah, I can definitely see that. So that's been like, that's been on repeat for the past week. Uh, it just came up in that Apple Music Infinite Play kind of deal. And I knew it was Drew Thompson because I knew that he came from Single Mothers. But man, it is it is a great EP. I can't lie. <laughs> so I haven't, I've listened to a couple albums here and there, but... I've been mostly listening to a Spotify playlist and it's all new punk. So it's constantly rotating in and out of different new punk songs and I've been enjoying it. It's been a uh, a really good way to listen to different songs. So I, I have a couple that I have liked over the uh, past couple weeks I've been listening to this uh, playlist. Um, first one, it's a cover um, and I've never been into this band at all. Well, I've been into the band that they they cover but i've never been into the band um so i've never been into state champs but they did a really nice cover of chicago is so two years ago by fallout boy really it's it's a really good cover um it has that modern pop punk um production like it feels like um like one of the i think one of the best pop punk records um ever produced or not produced but like engineered and mastered uh what you can't see by the story so far i would agree like that has really it it feels very full in the headphones and this cover has that feel to it as well and it's just a really good performance as well um i mean fall boy i i think that's one of the strongest songs off of the fall boy like debut which we talked about in a previous episode if you want to go back and hear our hot takes i think that was a birthday episode for me i think i chose that album yeah i think so um yeah i didn't i didn't know that state champs had done that but man there's something about and i think we talked about it on that episode there's something about that album take this to your grave where it's like you could see what the that band was going to become like they were so focused on fantastic like pop rock songwriting and that first album has that feeling of what if 
of four kids that were all in hardcore bands around Chicago just wrote straight up pop music. And that was, I mean, there's a reason why that first era of the band was such a high watermark and why they had the success that they had. They really, they they found something special with that like intensity and that, uh, which is, it, it's funny to say it now, but that kind of DIY ethic that they had when they were kind of coming up. And it's no real surprise why they kind of became huge. And I didn't even really know that State Champs was still kind of functioning. But I mean, State Champs is one of the bigger bands currently in pop punk. I mean, we're talking... I mean, I'll, I'll pull up their their uh, their Spotify. I mean, they get one million monthly listeners. It's nothing to scoff at. It's pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, that's nothing to... That's pretty good. And I mean, they are one of the headlining bands usually on like that summer, sad summer-like circuit. Um, You know, they're not quite at the same tier as All Time Low, which I mean, All Time Low might not be a band for much longer. Ugh. Yeah. We're not going to hit that topic today. A lot of but, stuff coming back to um, um, But if you haven't heard definitely look up all time low um because there are quite a bit of allegations against them this is uh, true specifically their guitars but um not gonna get into that today not gonna hop on that horse um another song i've been into lately is a song by smart death except it's s-m-r-t-d-e-a-t-h so it's smart without the a and it's a song called everything's fucked up and it's that same sort of mgk like vibe yeah uh which there's something except it's it's like a better mgk this is like it has a really nice hook to it it has those 808 beats it's it's better songwriting than mgk and i don't think smart death is as much of a douchebag as him either yeah um definitely check that out if you are into that sort of sound also i'm looking at it now it's under exclusive license to epitaph so real punk cred here real punk credits yeah uh, if you don't know back. who yeah if you don't know who epitaph is they are um one of the most important punk labels of the la- or, or just i would say one of the most independent one of the most important independent labels in the last like 30 years definitely um they've put out i mean they currently have like the world is a beautiful place they have the men zingers um a lot of really good bands and a lot of really good releases yeah especially lately uh, um probably the past five or six years epitaph has done a really good job of kind of rebranding itself um because they were like they were the original not technically a major label but they were like the punk major label um, right and when they did that when they made that kind of transition to that in the early 2000s they signed a lot of trash they uh, signed a lot of like post hardcore bands like they had like from first to last and like a lot of those like court sort of like um maybe not rise core bands but like the next step down well like the, pr- the proto rise core bands were all on epitaph and i mean yeah from first to last escape the fate like those like neon vomit t-shirt scene warp tour hot topic bands epitaph ate them up and i mean even my beloved vanna like they were on epitaph I mean, for a while i mean to their credit they were signing what was making them money and what the kids were listening to that's true um like that's epitaph has always been what the kids want and the kids wanted to listen to vanna and escape the fate and they made a ton of money in those days yeah on the backs of you know bands that never really got out of the diy stage which is a whole other conversation but you know their business they did what businesses do um but what's interesting is how they have reinvented themselves almost over the course of the past probably eight to ten years back into the major label for punk bands like touche amore the menzingers um they they've gone from they've gone from that kind of like scene hopping kind of deal to more of what you and I might recognize from that like first heyday of Run For Cover Records where they're less of a label and more of like a curator. Like when Epitaph signs a band or when Epitaph has a new release in 2021, like it feels worth checking out. Well, like I feel like half the time with 
epitaph like they it, they sign a band that's already been kind of established in my mind like um like for example defeater like defeater was yeah for a lot for a long time on bridge nine which is i mean bridge nine is a very established hardcore label at least at this point and apparently has uh, the support of ben affleck which is so awesome like oh my god it is so great to see ben affleck wearing half heart merch and <laughs> this man is strolling oh. around the streets of la with jennifer lopez getting himself dunkin donuts and wearing half heart merch how can you not love the man the man has a tramp stamp too what yeah you didn't know that he has ben affleck has like some of the worst tattoos in hollywood there's like many articles that you can read about it and it's just like <sighs> terrible tattoos this i did terrible not know. terrible life decisions Oh, I gotta look at it now. <laughs> he has he has a huge ass maybe it's not a ramp stamp, but he has a huge ass phoenix on his back. Oof. That it covers his entire back. Describe it to There's the listeners no, while I pee. Oh, it's it's so massive. And it's it's so hilariously bad. Definitely look it up. It's you won't be disappointed by that. Um for a couple other songs that I have been listening to as well. Um this is a newer band too. I have they put out this EP. This is a, like they put it out themselves. Um it's Patterson by Whatever Forever, which if you don't know that reference, that is a um <laughs> a modern baseball reference. Modern that baseball is their, baby. Yeah, that is one of their albums or like one of their uh yeah, it is one of their albums and like lines, I guess, like lyrics. Um but they don't sound like modern baseball, they sound like a um they sound reminiscent to that that like the music from like 10 years ago that's like citizen and like title fight and basement like that kind of feel to it which i'm always a fan of sometimes and i've, I've hit the snag with that kind of sound as well sometimes people overdo it um and it just it becomes it ends up sounding forced this doesn't sound forced to me it actually is genuine and it's pretty freaking good yeah i mean there were a lot of the bands there were a lot of those bands that were doing that sound at that time um and it's one of the interesting things i was talking to some people about earlier this week i'm i miss those days i miss i miss when run for cover would have a signing and it was like you had to pre-order it because it was coming out on run for cover they did such a good job of just curating those artists and a lot of them sounded they had kind of similar sonic personalities but they did such a good job of just doing the marketing side of it i think that got you to sit back and be like run for cover just signed this band a couple of months ago they announced a new lp i'm gonna pre-order it on vinyl because i know it's going to be good yeah and i mean i think in many ways they're still like that uh run for cover is still great label and they're still doing their thing i mean um i knew some of actually you know what's funny and this happened to me recently i knew two of the bands that they signed before they they signed the run for cover like i knew one step closer that was a, that was an especially cool one because One Step Closer was, like, was kind of established beforehand and they were like, they're definitely a hardcore band, which is kind of where Run For Cover got its start. Um, for sure. So I remember seeing that announcement and being like, oh man, like back to the roots. Which I mean, that album that they did come up with, I think One Step Closer is good, but I, I remember listening to like four songs in and I was like, I'd rather be listening to Half Heart. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Nothing, nothing against that band. I've seen One Step Closer. They are a good band. Um, I just think, you know, <laughs> I'd rather be listening to Half Heart, who does that sound a little bit better for me. And then Anxious, who they're a Connecticut band, and like they're they kind of were in that same. They have like that title fight kind of sound. Yeah, that like youth crew, hardcore tinged kind of deal. Yeah, I remember these like when we were still living in Derby. And by the way, I've never seen Anxious, but like I remember seeing a couple show flyers. Like I remember seeing like it was good. There was like a show that was happening in, like Strat. Bradford. It was like hardcore show, like hardcore, like Connecticut hardcore, like show, like and it was like you know, some sleazy warehouse on the bad side of town, like probably typical, <laughs> typical like Connecticut shit, like shows in like the oddest places. Um, because that's always.
always a Connecticut thing. They go and hard I remember over seeing there. Yeah, they do. I mean, the Connecticut scene is very underrated. It's they're a great they they have a great scene over there. Um shout out Crunch House, shout out um the the space or the ballroom, whatever you guys call it now. Oh, I miss it. Um shout out College Street, all great venues. Toad's place when it's not overridden with Quinnipiac students. Yeah, facts, facts. That is true. Oh, and how could we forget bar? I want bar pizza mm. so bad. Bar pizza's great. Never went to a show there though. I think I saw All Riot there once. Oh, good good band. Good band. Former former Further Sky Records band. Yes. Um I've listened I've I've been listening to this playlist just on shuffle. Um you know, some songs I skip over, some songs I'm like, "Ooh, I like that." So I I just like it. Um what I will say is we are and I mean like MGK is not the first person to add 808s to a punk song, but there's lots of that kind of influence. Maybe not from MGK, but like, I mean, there are other people doing it like Jaden, like Kenny Hoopla, and I, I fuck with that sound. I think that sound's a great, that sound is very appealing. And I'm just happy that that sound has just kind of transcended what it could have been, because um, I know a lot of the like purists with alternative music have kind of written a lot of that off, but I do really kind of enjoy the fact that we have friends and family members and stuff that, you know, five years ago, if you played them anything with guitars and drums and bass, they would have been like, ah, this sounds like old shit. Like, I just want to listen to, I want to listen to whatever was popular. And it is... I, I do think that it's just kind of cool that so much of that stuff has come back. Like guitar-based music has persevered a little bit in the past couple of years. And say what you want about, you know, MGK or any of these other artists that are kind of hopping on that, for lack of a better term, pop punk train. Right. Like guitars are back on the radio and that's awesome every time. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. MGK is not, I would say MGK is not the best person who's doing this t- sound, but I mean, it's, it's a gateway. It's like listening to Green Day or or um, if you really wanted to get into um, if you really want to get into like metal it's like listening to Metallica for example yeah it's that and I mean yeah go ahead <laughs> well we talked about we talked about that on the episode where we went over that MGK album where it was like you know there's some there's some certified hits there's some certified misses but like imagine a 10 or 12 year old that has access to the internet sitting back and falling in love with one of those songs and then being like who Who's this? Who's this Travis Barker guy? And now you're listening to Blink 182 and some of his mashups and stuff that he's done. And you go from there into you know Green Day and well, where did Green Day come from? Oh, well, they take influences from all of these you know West Coast punk right. bands. And West Coast punk leads you to hardcore. And man, what's this hardcore thing all about? Oh my God! Like there's hardcore bands that play shows in basements you know five miles away from me. There's that snowball effect that keeps happening when one of those bands breaks through, which is why I still don't really understand why people fight so hard against, you know, in the early 2000s, it was Fallout Boy. Uh, and to a certain extent, it still is Fallout Boy. Uh, Paramore is another great example. Uh, MG- which I mean, I, th- I think at this point, people look at Fallout Boy and Paramore as like legendary bands. I think people who are still hating on those bands are just dumb. Yeah, it's, dumb. Like, it's like that thing where it's like, I can, you can follow the logic right where it's just like oh they're legacy acts you know fallout boy is still going on trigger we're going down um paramore had misery business and then they went like in a much more popular direction after those first three albums you know it's it's easy to write those things off but they are still definitively guitar-based music and they're really really great pop songwriters and they do they do a really good job of like being open and honest with their fans about what their influences are or where things are coming from and they keep like they keep leading people down that route rabbit hole, which is what for better or for worse turns people into someone like you or me, where it's just like the discovery and the the like hunger for more music and more things that sound like something else and everything else. That's how you that's how you get roped into alternative and punk music is being led down that rabbit hole by the first thing that kind of hits your ears the right way. Yeah. And I mean a lot of people are getting into a lot of young people are really into Olivia Rodrigo right now. It's the same kind of thing. I mean 
mean? Yeah. Like, like just to show how massive she is, she, like a brand new venue in Boston is opening up this spring called Roadrunner. Sold out. Sold out immediately. Sold out. And like that venue is a 5,000 cap venue. Like she's going to sell, she sold out like Radio City Musical like two nights. Like it's great to see um, that guitar music is, people are starting to get interested in it. And I mean, like, I think it, it needs to adapt. And I think the fans need to adapt as well. And as the older I get, the more I have to fight the urge to not be the guy, like the get off my lawn guy. Yeah. I have to like this is this is what I've grown like this is what I've learned and this is what I've started to say in general not everything is meant to be written produced or created for me a 27 year old white man exactly like it's like it's not not everything is meant to be like it's like so it's it's basically like okay cool this is written for teenagers that's it that's the end of it I think people get so hung up on like I hate this thing, so I have to rant about it, and I have to let everyone else know why I hate it. And it's like it's not made for you. It's not meant for you. Like, who cares? Why do you give a shit? Yeah, if you if you don't like something, just don't like it. Like it's... that's the end of it. You don't have to listen to MGK, and you don't have to listen to Olivia Rodrigo. Um, you don't have to listen to any of the new rock that comes out. You can listen to the same albums you have been. Like you're not the that that demographic. But you do have to recognize that like those mgk writing a song called jawbreaker and getting the like op ivy writing credits and things like that is it does present an opportunity and it can result in a snowball effect of you know 12 13 year old kids that only ever hear that song on the radio or come across it because it's on the top charts on spotify or apple music or whatever those kids have access to the internet in a way that we didn't necessarily have growing up and can very easily just fall into oh this is a reference to something what is it a reference to i'm gonna check that out and now you have like an entire additional generation that's getting into like countercultural counterculture kind of stuff the way that we did and that's i have a hard time looking at that as anything but a net positive for guitar music in general but especially you know the punk and hardcore scenes like but i think a lot of people are still trying to gatekeep everything they don't want new people to come into their scene um they want the same people to be in it they want the same artists to create they don't want newer fans and they don't want newer bands with same influences to come in well and that's i think that's going to be a battle for forever because you know for sure before the it was one of my biggest criticisms that i would give people all the time when i was like the biggest brand new fanboy right Mm -hmm. like i hated that fan base because it was this thing where everybody that identified with brand new felt like it was their band and there was that like possessiveness of just like this band means something to me and it means more to me than it means to you so I'm gonna lash out at you it's kind of the same thing with people that gatekeep when it comes to you know punk and hardcore and then they look up at Paramore, Fall Out Boy, MGK, Olivia Rodrigo like anybody that's still super successful in that space right now you know they look up at them and they go well they're the problem because they brought it to the masses and now more people are into this thing that felt so personal to me and no it's like like that Ben Affleck, go ahead. I was just going <laughs> to say like that, that feeling is bullshit. Like yeah. you only stand to benefit if those kind of scenes kind of make it back into the mainstream of things, because more people are going to be encouraged to go and pick up their shitty jazz master and start writing, you know, pop punk or metalcore or whatever. Like you need that snowball effect to keep it going. And when you gatekeep from people because they got into it for the wrong reasons or whatever, you're doing a disservice to your own ears, but also to the bands that you claim to support yeah like it's it's a cool thing and an awesome thing when a mainstream person like ben affleck is wearing a half heart shirt like (laughs) i don't care if ben affleck doesn't even actually listen to half heart he's getting people to notice what shirt it is he's getting us talking about it whether he listens to half heart i don't give a fuck about that's not important and i think clearly considering the fact that there's so many pictures with him wearing stuff from sully's brand or bridge nine directly like i have a hard time believing that the dude doesn't actually listen to a lot of Boston hardcore. <laughs> but like, let's say like, I mean, because there are examples of just celebrities wearing like a Misfit shirt and Metallica or whatever like that. Like, who cares? I think a lot of people love to gatekeep that stuff. And if you were to talk to me like like 
15 years ago, maybe not 15 years ago, that's a little far back, but like like 10 years ago, I'd care about that, but who cares? Yeah, at this point, at this like point, nobody, nobody but the artists stand to benefit from something like that. So just go with the flow. Like I get it. It is like, and they are funny memes. Like it's funny to meme Ben Affleck for wearing, you know, Sully's brand t-shirts or a have heart t-shirt or whatever. And just, you know, he's got his, he's got his iced regular from Duncan walking around with fucking Jennifer Lopez. And you're like, oh yeah, like this man, this man is from Boston. Let's make jokes. But also there's probably some kid that loves fucking Ben Affleck as Batman or something and sits back and is like, oh my God, like what is half heart? I have to check it out. Yeah. I'm sure there's some people out there. Um, I don't know. This is a long tangent on <laughs> yeah. gatekeeping and like the state of rock music at this point. Um, I just want to make another point because the Grammys came out with their nominations and rock doesn't get it because they only stand to promote and want to give Grammys or nominate artists for Grammys who are old legacy artists. Like who cares about ACDC? I mean, good band, but they haven't been a good band in 50 years. Yeah. Like, like who care? Like the Foo Fighters are in that same legacy phase. Like it's pretty bad when the newest band, that's, that's one of the newest bands also like Weezer. Like, can we get newer rock bands on the Grammy nomination as well? It's why no one gives a fuck about rock music, guitar-based music. Yeah, yeah, it's still... I mean, it felt like a little bit of a turning point with the MGK stuff and Travis Barker just producing so much lately. Um, but I do think it's still kind of simmering. Like, I think within the next couple of years, we're going to see a little bit of a turn with those kind of things and the mainstream kind of re-embracing like the rock band format. Um, but rock music has always been super slow to evolve and every once in a while something punches through that really kind of makes a difference or brings it back to the mainstream. But especially in the past 20, 25 five years, there hasn't been a lot that's managed to do that. And the things that have managed to do that have been things that have simmered for a couple of years before they've finally kind of broken through and people have been like, oh, you know, this band, this artist that's guitar based or whatever is, you know, worthy of consideration. So I think the optimistic view of it is probably within the next couple of years, we start to see some real changes and improvement on that front. But we're still very much in the age of easy and popularity, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And people still care way too much about ACDC over like, <laughs> I mean, even if they were to nominate, if, if Fall Out Boy were to come out with an album from like last year, like 2021, I mean, Fall Out Boy has been a band for 20 years at this point. Yeah, that's insane. That's that's not that doesn't bode well for that, like the genre of rock. Yeah. And the fact that they're still kind of on the top when there are people that are definitively doing more interesting things is a little bit depressing. Um, but again, to take the more positive positive side like the idea that those four guys that weren't even great at their instruments when they started like the fact that they're still regularly an arena rock band at this point is you know you can't really argue with success you can't take that away from them yeah we'll we'll take our our wins there yeah <sighs> all right i think this wraps up our fruitful music talk um so yeah let's uh, let's hop into some recommendations before we close out our first weekly episode in forever yes uh two weeks in a row and hopefully next week we will also record another episode. We're back, baby. <laughs> we got to uh, we got to we got to do an actual live in person episode when I get back up there for the holidays. For sure. Want to start or should I? Uh, my big recommendation was actually going to be that single mothers EP. Um, just because, like, especially for some reason this year, it's been you know hardcore and emo revival records that have really kind of captured my attention and have gotten me back into that kind of music a lot um mm -hmm. so i definitely recommend it it's just it's cat like it's so funny because it's hardcore and you never think of hardcore as catchy but it's definitely pop songwriting just with that like that grime and that diy kind of lo-fi sound that you would expect from kind of an upstart hardcore band so now i really need to like dig into that catalog um because i know that i like the rest of the stuff that drew thompson has put out outside of single mothers so that's probably number one um and then the other one that i also want to give a shout out to um my my girlfriend has been showing me um girls on hbo mm -hmm. um and it's funny to like a show and be kind of enthralled by a show where i don't like a single one of the characters <laughs> like so it's a really kind of interesting trip every time i watch it like the scenarios and the stuff um 
especially the way they portray New York City is very like realistic. Most of it is based in Brooklyn and it feels very authentic New York mm, where interesting. that's super rare for any TV show where, you know, name one that's based in New York where it just doesn't feel like New York at all. Um, well, I mean, every show glamorizes New York like, oh, it's the best place in the world and blah, 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 blah. And like, like after living in New York for a year and a half, it is like it's like uh, instead of going through level one, level two, level three, you're starting at level 100. Yeah. Trying to like navigate like a game. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. And I'm sure, and I'm sure that's what uh, you're describing in this show. Yeah, and even just the physicality, like the locations and stuff that they're shooting at, like it feels very New York, which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, it's interesting because I don't like a single one of the characters. Like they're all just walking neuroses in a very realistic way, which is just that much more upsetting. Uh, but yeah, Girls has been a really interesting kind of trip, and yeah, you should you should go watch it and form some opinions for yourself, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I'll have to check out that show for sure uh whenever i get hbo <laughs> uh my recommendation for this week is a book so when i'm at work um i spend i, I get a lot of downtime and then it's actually two hours of real work um so you have to spend a lot of time a lot of you you have to do a lot of things to try to pass the time in between and i've been reading this book i've i got it like a couple years ago but i just i haven't had the chance to read it um but i've started to read again and it's called tranny and it's by laura jane grace she's the lead singer of the band against me and um it talks about her gender dysmorphia because um she did uh um uh, transition into a woman. She was a, uh, at first a male. And it talks about the story of Against Me, who great punk band. Definitely check out um, some of my favorite records. Uh, White Cross is a great record. Um, one of the best punk records of all time. That's that's not even a hot take. I think it's a fact. Um, but it just talks about um, just her growing up, her um, hiding the fact that um, it was trans who were bandmates for several years and what's interesting is also there's a lot of nuggets like easter eggs in songs that were released throughout that time before she did transition um one of the biggest ones is um geez, i'm trying to think of like the song right now um trash unreal um that one has a lot of easter eggs in that one um but great book if you're looking to uh read about some punk and um just learn a thing or two <laughs> Nice. And it was co-written by Dan Ozy, who he recently came up with a book too, which I haven't read yet, but it was... Um I've seen a lot of people yeah sell out i've seen a lot of people post about this book i have uh, started it and it is sitting on my nightstand and it's probably going to be a recommendation once i finish it i haven't finished tranny but i would definitely recommend uh reading it a good it's an easy read it's a nice read and listening uh, to uh against me is always a good idea yeah great band Anything else you'd like to add? Nah, just a reminder. Uh, hit us up on our social media. It's at Packy Run Pod at uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah, shout out to those of you that have been sticking with us and listening. We're on all of your podcast platforms, and however you can share it is always appreciated. Whether it's hitting us up on the socials, uh, we've put a couple of questions on the Spotify page uh, for new episodes, so interacting with that is always good. Rate us, review us on apple podcasts uh star us if you use overcast like i do because i'm a nerd yeah just keep supporting us we'll be back sooner rather than later with another episode um our next episode is our 50th episode which is crazy yeah so the packy run oh the packy run continues yes anyways we will hopefully be back next week but if not I hope everyone listening has a great holiday. Um, hope everyone is healthy and great. And uh, you spend some quality time with your family. Oh, yeah. Merry Festivus. Yes. All right. All right. We will catch up with you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.